The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hello, and welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, and I'm your host today. I have to tell you, I'm so excited about today's show, as my guest changed my perception of money, and I'm sure he'll do the same for you, too. Now, before we get started on today's show, I want to thank my guest from last week. It was Melissa Gallagher from Twist Marketing. We had a very interesting chat about personal branding and how to go about creating your own personal brand story. Uh, that episode is on the on-demand library on the Story Powered page, and you can check it out if you've not already heard it. But don't do that just yet. After the story of the week, I will be chatting with Mike Michalowicz about our money story and how it affects our business as well as our ideas about success. We'll also hear more about how to create a profit-first approach for our business. So, first of all, story of the week. So, this week on the story of the week, I'd like to share a story with you that really resonated with me on the topic of success and money. The story made me think about what I wanted from my business and from life in general. It's a Brazilian parable, and I found this version on Paul Coelho's blog at uh, www.paulcoelho.com. He's an author and has written many novels, including The Alchemist. You've probably heard of him. And you may have heard of this story, but it's always a good reminder uh, to go back to it sometimes. It's called The Fisherman and the Businessman. So there was once a businessman who was sitting by the beach in a small Brazilian village. As he sat, he saw a Brazilian fisherman rowing a boat towards the shore, having caught quite a few big fish. The businessman was impressed and asked the fisherman, how long does it take you to catch so many fish? The fisherman replied, oh, just a short while. Then why don't you stay longer at sea and catch even more? The businessman was astonished. This is enough to feed my whole family, the fisherman said. The businessman then asked, so what do you do for the rest of the day? The fisherman replied, well, I usually wake up early in the morning, go out to sea and catch a few fish, then go back and play with my kids. In the afternoon, I take it out with my wife, and when evening comes, I join my buddies in the village for a drink. We play guitar, sing, and dance throughout the night. The businessman offered a suggestion to the fisherman. Hey, I have a PhD in business management. I could help you to become a more successful person. From now on, you should spend more time at sea and try to catch as many fish as possible. When you've saved enough money, you could buy a bigger boat and catch even more fish. Soon, you'll be able to afford to buy more boats, set up your own company, your own production plant for canned food, and distribution network. By then, you'll have moved out of this village and to Sao Paulo, where you can set up HQ to manage your other branches. The fisherman continues, and after that, the businessman laughs hardly. Oh, after that, you can live like a king in your own house. And when the time is right, you can go public and float your shares on the stock exchange and you'll be rich. The fisherman asks, and after that, the businessman says, 
After that, you can finally retire. You can move to a house by the fishing village, wake up early in the morning, catch a few fish, then return home to play with kids, have a nice afternoon nap with your wife, and when evening comes, you can join your buddies for a drink, play the guitar, sing and dance throughout the night. The fisherman was puzzled. Isn't that what I'm doing now? I love this story as it challenges the idea that's pretty pervasive in entrepreneurship right now. And, and in particular, in some business growth models that we see and hear about. Bigger is not better for everyone. And whether your goal is having enough fish to feed your family or a fishing boat fleet, it's completely up to you. Your success is not determined by how big your business is or how much you spend on it. My guest today is a great example of someone who's gone through big money ups and downs that helped him find out what was really important to him. And he now helps others to have a healthier business and money mindset. So by his first 35th birthday, Mike McCallowitz had founded and sold multi, two multi-million dollar companies. Confident that he had the formula to success, he became an angel investor and proceeded to lose his entire fortune. Then he started all over again, driven to find better ways to grow healthy, strong companies. Among other innovative strategies, Mike created the Profit First formula, a way for business to ensure profitability from their very next deposit forward. Mike is now running his third million dollar venture, He's a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal, a former MSNBC business makeover expert, and is a popular keynote speaker on innovative entrepreneurial topics. Mike is also the author of Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, and The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, which Business Week deemed the entrepreneur's cult classic. So I want to tell you a little something from myself about Mike. I first heard him on another Voice America radio show, and I immediately bought his book, Profit First. It, it changed my entire thinking about money. Before that, I was a non, for, well, for many years, I was a nonprofit leader. And as we can hear from the title, the whole idea was not to make money and definitely not to make profit. And I brought in a lot of money, um, but spent it just as fast as that's the funding model nonprofits exist on. That's a whole other show that we could get into. Um, but this was easy for me because I'm a zero out kind of girl in my personal spending. So it was a great fit to work in the nonprofit sector. Uh, but as I found out later, it's not a great way to run a business. It's too stressful and too chaotic to constantly be chasing the money. So the idea of putting profit first not only appealed to me financially, but also emo- emotionally. So I did it. I created a, I created a system um, based on what we'll hear about in a bit, and it really works. I sleep better, as I know I have things covered, and I was even able to buy a new iPhone 6 outright with my profits last quarter. No guilt attached. And that is something very new. So I'm very excited to welcome Mike to Story Powered. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Oh, I, I appreciate it, no end. Thanks for having me. That nice introduction. Wow, that was cool. Oh, it, it, it's very cool. And I'm excited to have you here just because, and, you know, often, um, you know, it's funny because you read a book or you, you take something from it and, and you kind of wish you could talk to the person who wrote it. So I feel very privileged to get to do that today. Well, I'm pumped that you bought an iPhone outright. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think a lot of people picked up the iPhone when it came out, the new iPhone 6, but couldn't afford it. And it's just yeah. this behavior of just buy what we can't afford. And it's just, I don't know, it's just cool that it sounds so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But to me, that little action is huge. So it, it was for fun. me too. It was for me too. Because often, yeah. you know, I whip out my credit card and, and uh, feel guilty for, for at least three months. So right. <laughs> it was really right. cool. So, well, well Mike, you've got a, a really great story. Tell us a bit about, about you and, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so the the kind of 30-second version is uh, I'm an entrepreneur, maybe uh, retired, and that almost sounds 
that's the wrong term, but just no longer a full-time entrepreneur. Now I'm a full-time author. But I used to be a full-time entrepreneur, and I, I grew some companies uh, and sold them, one to private equity and another to a Fortune 500. And uh, I think what's interesting about my story is kind of the way it changed my perception of the world. I, after selling my second company, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm God's gift to entrepreneurship, and like I can make money out of anything. And I started to believe my own story about myself, right. and uh, it, it kind of became my downfall. And what I did then subsequently was lose all my money uh, by being an angel investor. I, I love to share this now. I, I now call myself, in retrospect, I call myself the angel of death. <laughs> I was like the worst angel investor like ever to uh, be on this planet. I had no idea what I was doing. And that along with just ego and buying stuff, things I couldn't afford um, and shouldn't afford, uh, it took me about two years, but I, I wasted away all of my income and savings I created by selling my businesses. And uh, the moral of that story is that was the grand wake-up call to becoming an author and dispelling a lot of these myths around business and around money. That's why I oh, did. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Because, you know, and that's, um, there's so much around right now in terms of, you know, the grow your business, spend more. It's it's kind of a bit pervasive. So I loved that you were telling a bit of a different story. Now, yeah. and, and one of the things that I loved about your books, and I have to tell everybody, I, I don't normally buy audio books. Mm-hmm. Um, because what happens to me, especially business ones, what happens to me is I'm listening to an audio book and then all of a sudden I, I, I hear a cool idea and I go off into my head and it's 10 minutes later and I've missed oh, the whole chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to tell everybody, and again, uh, Mike's not paying me for this. I'm so excited to have him here. <laughs> um, it's basically what happens in your book is what changed it for me was your stories. And so every time I was almost drifting off into my own la-la land, you pull back with a really cool story and, and you embedded them throughout. And of course, you know, obviously I'm, I'm very interested in story. So can you share the one that sat with me most? And, and again, it probably does with, with a lot of entrepreneurs um, once they hear it because it is our absolute worst fear. And especially when we're running around thinking we're very successful. Can you share your piggy, piggy bank story, please? Yeah, yeah. And I knew you were going there once you said worst fear. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I lived through it, and uh, storytelling to me is mission critical. So when it comes to my books or public speaking or, or any kind of connection with other entrepreneurs, I always believe in sharing stories, because uh, not because I think my stories are anything special, but because we've all experienced these stories, and uh, it's a great way to convey and, and relive it for ourselves. Now, That's I hope right. what I'm about to share is that no one listening in has lived this, but I suspect almost everyone has in their own version. And what it was for me is after selling that second company, I came home that day with, with more money in my bank account than I could have ever imagined in my life. And I uh, told my wife, hey, we're going to go to Hawaii. We're going to rent a house on Lanai, or as I learned now, it's Lanai. And, um, and we're going to stay out there. I got sabbatical for a, a long time and, and really live the, the rich life now, the financial freedom life. And, and when we head out there, uh, in the meantime, we'll, we'll pick up some, some new automobiles like a Land Rover and a Viper for myself because I need to have a Viper and a BMW, <laughs> and we'll move into the most expensive town. And I, I just went like crazy on spending. And the more I was spending, my ego was just getting bigger and bigger. Well, I, that day, that first day when I made all that money was actually the first day when I started losing all that money. And two years later, through being an angel of death investor and um, <laughs> just obnoxious about the way I use my money and showing off my ego, um, everything was gone. And 
what's significant was I was effectively lying to my children and my wife by omission. I, I wasn't telling them what was going on financially. I kept on living the the story of financial success. Um, and on February 14th, which was Valentine's Day, uh, this is in 2008, so it's not even that long ago. It's like seven years ago. I got a call from my accountant, and he was doing the corporate taxes. And he said, Mike, uh, good news. We're, we're wrapping things up. I, I got your tax liabilities, blah, blah, blah. You owe, it was, I think it was about twenty or $30,000 in taxes. And I remember when he said that, it felt like a knife going to my chest because by that point, I didn't have 30000 to my name. I had more like 20000 or 10000 And I was like, I don't have enough money to pay taxes, Keith. What, what do you do when you can't pay your taxes? And I think he thought I was joking because he goes, oh, you're just going to go to jail. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to jail? He's like, yeah, if you don't pay your taxes, you go to jail. Or, or you can go on to an installment plan. And, and that's what I did subsequently, which is, is basically worse than going to jail. You, you get gutted for everything you have. And that's what I went through. And uh, I came home to my family to tell them I had lost everything. And, and I was in tears because I'd be put on this big story, the house, the cars, the stuff. And to tell them that everything was going away from – uh, anything my children enjoyed. My daughter was taking horseback ridings one, lessons once a week. I told her that's gone. The cars, of course, they're gone. This house, we have to leave. We have to uh, rent a house. Um, everything gone. And as I was telling them this, and I'm sobbing and crying, I can only, under, only imagine how difficult it was for my children to witness their father kind of falling apart like this. My daughter, who was eight years old at the time, maybe she was nine, she ran out of the room and I remember, I remember when she ran out, like, I wanted to do that exact same thing. That was the solution, was to run away, run out. Well, she ran back in, and a few, only a few seconds later, with her piggy bank, and she put it down right in front of me, and she looks at me in the eyes, and she goes, Daddy, I'm going to help us. And she slid it over to me, and that was, that was the, the wake-up call I needed, that I had been so financially imprudent, if, if that's even a word. I've devastated our financial security so badly that my nine-year-old daughter felt obligated, called, to support us. I was embarrassed. I was humbled. But at the same time, it became an ultimate gift for me because it triggered this belief that there had to be a better way to becoming profitable, to managing money, that there had to be a simpler way. And and maybe I wasn't the only person to go through it. So, so I endeavored from that day forward, not that moment that I figured it out, but I endeavored to figure out how to become financially in control in business and, and in my life. That's great. And thanks for sharing that with us because it is really, um, it's a tough story to share in terms of yeah. uh, probably one of the lowest moments for you in terms of your, you know, and when we look at our lives and, and especially when, you know, we go from, you know, you talk about ego and talk about, you know, living this life to, you know, your daughter giving you her piggy bank. It, I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you recover from that? Like you make so, it sound pretty easy because you're like, ah, oh, it's seven years ago. And, but how did, how did you, how did you get back on track? Yeah. So here's the honest truth, at least for me, you don't recover from that. Like, like when I tell a story, my fears, people say, oh, you had this horrible day. And then the next day you were trudging, you know, trudging forward. You were, and the answer is no. The next day, I started to experience and went into a depression. Um, it was not a deep depression, 
but it was a functional depression. I, I participated in no social activity. I was ashamed of myself. I was, uh, I started drinking. I'm not really a drinker whatsoever, but started drinking and I would stay up late night watching TV. I'm not a big TV person, but I, you know, up till three or four in the morning because I couldn't sleep. And I remember praying I'd fall asleep and that I wouldn't have to wake up to face the next day. Not suicidal thoughts, but, yep, but yep. just that I just didn't ever want to get out of bed and sleep was the only relief I had. And it was, it was a few years of this, quite frankly, but there was moments, little sparks that I had ideas of, oh, maybe there's a, there's a solution. And um, what triggered something was, it's a bizarre connection, but it, it, it opened the door for me. I was watching infomercials one night, and I remember there's so many infomercials about quick weight loss and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's what I need, a quick solution to my money problems. But then one day I turned the channel and there was someone on like a, a public station saying, you know, all those quick loss programs like, you know, Suzanne Summer's Thigh Master. Oh, yes. The, they're pretty that. addictive, like, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why, but they just are. Like, oh, my God, I have perfect legs if I just clap yeah. my thighs together with Suzanne's spring True. system. <laughs> well, they said those, those don't work. Like we, we try it, we, we get them, but they're not sustainable. And the reason they're not sustainable is because they require us to change our natural habits. They said the best way to control our weight and, and to get healthy is actually to use our existing habits and just put guardrails around them. So don't change who we are, actually leverage more of who we are. And for me, that opened my eyes. I said, wow, that's probably true in money too. And, and here's my realization. Most entrepreneurs... Um, even though we're told by our accountants and bookkeepers, and rightfully so, we should look at our income statement, tie it into our balance sheet, do cash flow analysis, all this stuff, we don't do it because it's so complex. What we result, resort to is what I call bank balance accounting. We log into our bank account, we see how much money is in there. If there's a lot of money, we say, ah, I have money to spend. If there's no money, we go into panic mode and we try to sell and collect. So I said, well, if that's our natural habit, logging to our bank account, we need a financial system that allows us to continue to log in and look at our bank account. And then I started playing around with ways to just check my bank account every single day like I normally was and knowing instantly the health of my business and making it more profitable. And that, that's where I started developing this profit-first system. Oh, that's very cool. And I have to say, because I've, I've spent years as an executive director of a nonprofit um, dealing with quite substantial budgets and looking at balance sheets. And I did, I can read a balance sheet and I can read financial accounts. However, to this day, I still don't understand how debit and credit could be backwards. Um, <laughs> that confuses the heck out of me too. I, I don't, I don't, I don't it. understand that. It doesn't work in the real world to me. Um, so even though I had that proficiency and I can go in and, and, and read one, it still doesn't make sense to me as an entrepreneur. It's, it's kind of like, um, a piece around, you know, almost deliberate bafflement. Um, yeah. And, and you know, if, if a lot of us as entrepreneurs, are we like to have a little, I mean, part of the reason we're an entrepreneur is to have control of our business and have control totally. of our lives. And so when we give up that control quarterly or annually, um, this, the, you know, it does make a heck of a lot of sense to, to cr- have a system for yourself that, that yeah, works, and, um, works better. Yes. And, and you know, so many times in the old way, I would wait for the statement to come in from my accountant anxiously, and, and he would say, hey, Mike, you had a little profit this year. And then I remember looking at it on the paper, I'm like, oh, that's exciting. But I'm like, where is it? I don't see any of the money. It's not here. He's like, well, I don't have it. Really so, so that's why I developed the system. Here's the basis of it. There, there's one human behavioral theory that applies to our use of money, but our use of anything, time and so forth. 
And it's called Parkinson's Law. It has nothing to do with Parkinson's disease, by the way. It's a totally different guy. But Parkinson's yep. Law says that our demand, it's, it's human nature that our demand will adjust to meet the supply of the resource. In other words, my favorite, my favorite example of this is a toothpaste tube. When we get a brand new tube of toothpaste and we, we're going to brush our teeth, we put this long bead on the toothbrush. <laughs> you know, so if, some of the, if some of the toothpaste falls in the sink, it's like, I got more toothpaste, we're using more, and we're like, you know, we just wash it down the sink. But when the toothpaste tube is nearly empty, like the whole game changes. Now it's like, oh, I, I got to get more toothpaste out of this thing. Like we bend <laughs> it over the sink, we're biting the edge of the toothpaste tube just to squeeze more out. The, the, the funniest thing to me, at least, is if toothpaste now falls in the sink, it's like, whoa, we dive in after it. We yeah, it back yeah, out it's true. It's true. You know what? That is so true, Mike. And, and um, we're about to go into a commercial break, but I want to bring you back to that when we come back because I think that's a really crucial personality or, or trait that we have as humans around money and everything else. So, um, so everybody, we're just going to go on a, a little break, but you want to stay tuned because we're going to talk about money, our money stories and how they affect us and um, also talking about a profit. What is profit first? And, and especially how we can stop wasting toothpaste. We'll see you in just a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, Connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hello, welcome back to Story Powered with me, your host, Liam Pico, and my guest, Mike Michalowicz. Now, before the break, Mike was telling us his story and about how um, he kind of went from a, a place of real wealth and um ended up losing his his money and and figuring out that um what it means to actually be wealthy in terms of um having 
profit, which is an interesting concept we were just discussing. Um, but now, before the break, we were talking about um, something called Parkinson's Law with Mike, and um, he was explaining to us about um, the toothpaste toothpaste theory, which I absolutely love because it's so true um, that when we first get our tube of toothpaste, we're very liberal in how much we utilize. And then as we're getting to the end, we, we end up um, scrimping and, and grabbing for it as it goes down the sink. So, so Mike, tell us, can you tell us a little bit more about Parkinson's law and how that affects our finances? Yeah, so, so that is a premise of, of human behavior. Again, so the concept is as supply increases our demand or utilization of that supply actually increases. So it's true for toothpaste, as, as you just explained, but it's true for time. Um, as time starts depleting and there's less time, we actually become more productive. That's why so many people say, oh, when, when the project's due tomorrow, I do my best work um, or I can get the stuff done. It's because there's depleting time. It's an empty tube of toothpaste. We have to squeeze now everything out of it as strongly right. as we can. But it applies for money too. And you know, the, the toothpaste tube, we, we realize it when we look back at it retrospectively, but in the moment, we don't realize we're doing it. We're using more toothpaste. Well, you understand this is true for, for money. When, when we look at our bank account, again, a natural behavior, we log into our bank account, we look at our balance, the entrepreneur will say, well, uh, I got a lot of money in here. Um, now I can make those investments I've been waiting to make. Now I can buy advertising I needed to do. And we start using up that money just like a brand new tube of toothpaste lavishly. But we don't feel like we are because it's Parkinson's law. It's just a natural behavioral response. We justify everything we're doing. Conversely, though, when the money's almost empty and there's barely anything in there, then we say, wow, I can't afford that advertising. Oh, my God, I've got to actually cut some more costs. Uh, uh, and we start becoming more frugal. We start uh, being more aggressive with collection calls. We may try to sell harder. So our behavior starts adjusting based upon what we see. Well, based upon that premise, I said, I've got to run an experiment with myself. What if instead of what we've been told by accountants that profit is the bottom line, what if we made it the top line? What if when sales happen that the first thing that comes out aren't the costs and the expenses, what if the first thing that comes out is the profit itself? That's the top line. So sales come in, we immediately take profit off the table, a predetermined percentage. Now the remainder is used to run our business. And that's how it started. I set up a profit account for myself, and every time, say, a $1,000 check would come in, I said 20% of this is going to go into my profit account. So that $1,000 check now became $800. And with the $800, I had to run business as normal. I had to still pay myself. I still had to cover my expenses. And you know, no surprise, I found a way to survive. And just to really drive home this concept, this isn't like something invented by me. This isn't something brand new. This is something we've been doing in our personal lives. I, I just say apply this to business because in our personal lives, uh, many people have a 401k and a 401k operates like this. You get your paycheck. Say you get a gross pay of $1,000 for a week or something. You get a paycheck, but your paycheck is going to be only $600 because a 401k is taking out your retirement savings first and the taxes have come out and all that stuff. So right. you yes, get in of your, course. your paycheck, you get your net yeah. pay. And that net pay, you adjust your lifestyle to live off of, and you become wealthy behind the scenes because of the 401k. 
Right. That makes a lot of sense. Now, now in terms of that, so I'm just want to bring you back to the, the idea of, I think you call it the recency effect in, in your book. And it, I just, it's, it resonated with me a lot because it is, um, and it ties into our money stories. Um, so when we look at our bank account and there's lots of money there, we feel rich and we feel like very powerful and very smart and very savvy entrepreneurs. And then, like you say, we go back to it and there's no more money left. And then all of a sudden we're the worst entrepreneur in the world and, our business sucks and, and, and life is over. So, you know, it, and, and I'm kind of saying that in a, a bit of a flippant way, but it's actually very true in terms of our emotional welfare um, and, and how we, the stories we tell ourselves as entrepreneurs. So how do you, how do you think the stories play behind um, our behaviors? Yeah, so it, there's always a conversation going on in our heads, right? We're always uh, making a um, judgment based upon what we're experiencing in the moment and the recency effect that, that you alluded to um, basically it's another behavioral condition I guess is that what we experience now is our tendency to think that this is the new reality this is the new permanence so if, um, if my own story when, when I sold my second company I said well here's proof I just recently sold it this is proof I know how to build and sell companies this is my new lifestyle so I adjusted to live within what I believe to be a permanent uh, experience I'm going to have now. And on the other side is once I hit rock bottom, I said, this is the new me, and this is why I went through depression. I said, this is the new me. I suck. I'm a total failure. I'll never get out of this. And I believe that was the, the, um, the new reality. The, the trap is this. Once we believe something to be true, our behavior, we, we subconsciously adjust to behave consistently with what we believe to be true. So when we think things are going well and we're confident, we actually act more confidently and things become more successful. Conversely, when things are down and not working, we say things suck, and then we, we adjust our behavior to actually kind of perpetuate that suckiness, as crazy as it is. So yeah, with our numbers, that, makes sense. That, that, that recency effect also affects our behavior. When numbers are really far down, we actually slow down our, our kind of – while, while we act uh, reactively, our belief in the success of our business becomes diminished. Right, and I and I, you know, and then we we stop investing, we stop um, doing things that maybe we need to do, etc. But then, you know, like you say, when we have the money's in the bank, then we're we're overspending. Um, so I have come across a number of folks who have just blown so much money. And they keep putting the money into their business. They keep, you know, and they think, well, I don't have any clients and I'm not making any money. So if I just hire this business coach or if I just, um, you know, do this, then then more clients will come. And, and you know, I've met people who are in like tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt with mm-hmm. not enough people coming through their door to justify the spend or keep them going as business. What would you say about that? Yeah, so I call that the survival trap. And it is so common. I, I see it all over. I've lived it. I get it. Um, I would say out of every 100 businesses or so, 80 to 90 of those businesses are living just the way you just described. And the reason is this. When we are point A, picture that in your mind, and you want to go point B, wherever that is, we all know the shortest distance is a straight line. But the problem is when point A is a crisis, meaning we don't like what we're in, any direction we take will get us out of crisis. If I hire that business coach, at least I'm not feeling that immediate crisis. Now, here's the problem. That coach may be taking it to the left where point B is to the right. So in the survival trap, any action that gets us out of crisis, even momentarily, gives us relief and we feel relief. 
But the problem is this. If it's not consistent with where we envision our business going, financial freedom or whatever, that trap will just pull us right back in. You hire the coach. You feel great. Now I'm taking action. Oh, my God, I have more debt. This is not working. The coach is horrible. Ugh. Back in the crisis. I got to sell something to someone. You make one sale to selling something you don't normally sell, but at least it gets you out of crisis because a check comes in, but then you find out you really can't deliver those goods or that service very well, and you don't want to do it anymore, and it's really not what your business does in the first place, and you're back in the trap. Yeah, absolutely. That's the problem of these short-term fixes. It simply gets you out of the pain in the moment, but does not move you forward to point B where you want to go. And it, it doesn't fundamentally change your business story. And I just want to let people know that um, to read more on that, I, I highly recommend the pumpkin plan that Mike wrote um, before Profit First, which is, you know, the, the whole thing around we grab whatever clients we can, we um, you know, and, and and also, I mean, the, the piece around if if we're feeling like we, we suck as a business person, then, you know, somebody else comes along and they look more successful. We're totally going to follow them and give hand them all our money because we think they're going to rescue us. So, um, you know, it's really important to to think about what stories you're telling yourself. And, and that's cut, that's what I liked about uh, Profit First is it's a more measured approach. And so, you know, if we're in that, that kind of swing of storytelling, and again, we could I could check my bank account three times today and, you know, if I've got direct debits going out, you know, my mood could change and my story about myself could change three times today. Right. So I'm wondering why is the Profit First approach important for changing our, our money story overall, do you think? Yeah, so what we simply do is we set up multiple accounts now. It's the normal propensity of entrepreneurs to have that one or two bank accounts, and we log in every day, and you see what the balance is. But that's putting everything onto one big plate, effectively. What I suggest is we set up multiple accounts, a profit account, uh, an owner's pay account. Pay is where how you pay your salary. Owner Profit is what you take on a quarterly or annual basis. You should have a tax account, so you have money reserved for taxes, and then these different accounts. Now what happens is when you log in, because you're pre-allocating money to profit, as your expenses go out of your expense account, you'll see the profit count doesn't move. It's still there. It, it changes that, it, it gives us that assurity that the profit is not diminishing. In fact, it's growing because you keep on contributing to it. And it changes our relation. So instead of having this negative response, log into my bank account, oh, that, that payment went out to my debit card, it's, it's down even more, you start seeing, okay, I'm spending my expenses, but my profit's been secured. So it actually starts building confidence just by making that one little adjustment. And that makes a lot of sense. And, and even just the idea that, um, you know, even if you're feeling a bit vulnerable as a, an entrepreneur and don't have a lot, and one of the things I like about your approach too is you don't have to put all your money in the profit. It's, it is designated and, and also you choose what percentage goes into your profit account. And I've just found even just on a, you know, on some months where, it hasn't, it's been a little lean, even just, mm-hmm. you know, going there first to put something in, in the profit account makes me feel like I've been successful. And it's a very Absolutely. small thing, but it truly does make me feel like, because we, you know, business and success tie in around profit. And so it makes me feel good that I've got um, that. And, and even when the, the rest of the money is being spent on expenses or, or whatever, that's still sitting right there. So it does change your, it's a, I think it's a more positive story. It absolutely is. It won't make you rich the first day you do this, no. but it will make you rich in confidence. When I did it for myself, literally, I said, okay, I'm going to start saying 1% aside for profit. That's how I started. And by the way, when people haven't done this before, I don't, start, I don't suggest starting off at 20% or some big percentage number. 
start off just to get into the habit. So one, even 1% of your deposits coming in, going to profit, will work. So we get this into this routine, and 1% you won't feel. You know, I mean, the $100 comes in, you still have $99. Only $1 went to profit. I, well, I remember my first deposit came in. It was, I was doing 1%. It was a check for $50 that came in. So literally right. $0.50 cents <laughs> went from, into my profit account. Right. <laughs> but what happened in that moment, I said, okay, it's $0.50. Cents. This is not going to have any impact in my life. But what I realized was I had a small win today. I made a little positive momentum in my profit, and my business was unaffected. I was still able to run into the business. Well, by the end of the week, a few more deposits came in. That 50 cents was now up to $5. I was like, hey, not, not bad. It's starting to grow. And by continuing to do this, every day I started stringing together a series of wins. And at the end of the first 90 days, and I suggest if someone implements profit first, every 90 days they take a profit distribution, I had about $300 saved up in there. And so I took a distribution out. I took all the money out in that case. I took $300 out. And and this is the lesson of profit first. When you allocate money to profit, when you do pull it out, it is exclusively for your benefit as the owner. You're not allowed to put it back in your business. You can't use fancy terms like reinvest or plow back. That means simply you couldn't run the business off of the remaining money. The profit is simply for your financial freedom. So I took out $300, and my wife and I went out for a really nice dinner, a fancy dinner. And I said, that was the biggest celebration. I said, things are turning. We're not going out. This is not a credit card. We're literally using cash that the company yielded to us. I started building a positive relationship with my business. I no longer resented it. And and now, fast forward six, seven years later, it's just the checks that come out are amazing. It's, it's you know, go on a vacation to Europe now. Um, do whatever. Fantastic. Every yeah. 90 days. So. Well, and that sounds yeah. like, I mean, that's the thing about the incentive to build. And and again, you're, you know, it, it seems pretty simple um, when you think about it in business that, um, you know, you put money in your account and you grow it and therefore you have profit. But like you say, it, humans aren't logical and we have behaviors and and it's um, part of the piece for me is around if you can continually feel like you're investing in yourself and and you're getting that win so you get to take your wife out for dinner or you get to like I did I bought my iPhone felt great Um, Mm -hmm. you know those are the things that make you want to do it more rather than you know sitting and, and looking at the pile of bills and thinking hey let me go make more money so I can pay all that money out you know what I love about the iPhone? I mean, it actually gives me tingles when, when you talk about it. I, I, the hair on the back of my neck stands up because for other people, that iPhone is a liability. The day the credit card bill comes uh, and they have that $600 bill or whatever it costs, every time they access the iPhone, somewhere subconsciously, they're saying, God, this is a cost to me. It's a weight. It's an albatross around my neck. Conversely, you have flipped the paradigm. Now you hold your iPhone. It's a celebration. I afforded this. I paid cash for it. My business yielded it for me. And now the association to yourself and your business is very positive where that exact same item for other people is this weight. Well, absolutely. And it was the same for me previously. So um, with my iPhone 4. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I can actually have a complete change from one to the other. And, and again, I think that that's the piece around the, 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 the stories. And, and it's so interesting because it's not what's true. And it's not what's fact or anything else. It's actually, it's all in the story. And, and so like we say that, you know, the idea of of creating a, a place where profitability and serving you rather than constantly serving your business is a, is a good place for, for people to sit. And it's a good story 
for entrepreneurs to create because otherwise the fun's gone. Like it's really not fun growing a business when you're running after or running from creditors and, and um, you know, so the idea that you're, even if it's 50 bucks or like you say 50 cents, you're actually contributing, contributing to your own life. So that's what I enjoyed about the whole piece. Yeah, totally. That relationship is so important. A lot of business, a lot of business owners do live the life of quiet des- desperation that the business has taken control of them and now they feel that their life's sole mission is to feed enough money to this business just so it doesn't crush them. I mean, it's such a horrible relationship. It is, and it's a shame because that's not how we start out. It's not how we start out. We start start out out this vision of how great it's going to be and how it's going to serve us, but very quickly it starts controlling us. And the nice thing is if you take your profit first, you can start changing that relationship tonight. Like literally today, you can start feeling the change in how your business is starting now to serve you. that's simple. Absolutely. Well, I, I can tell you, I certainly slept better when I started. So, so we're about to have another break. Um, you're listening to Story Powered with Liam Picot and my guest, Mike Michalowicz. Now, uh, we've talked a little bit about Mike's book, Profit First, and also I've mentioned The Pumpkin Plan. And Mike also wrote The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. So you can buy all of Mike's books on Amazon.com. And you can find out more about him and buy his books as well at www.mikemichalowicz.com. And that's Mike, M-I-C-H-A-L-O-W-I-C-Z, or Z if you're in the States, dot com. So um, you can find his email on our um, on the Story Powered uh, website if you want to have a look at it later. But I highly recommend his books. And when we come back, so we've talked a lot about the stories behind Profit First and how it helps us get into a, a better mindset about our business and our money. When we come back, we're going to talk in more detail about the how. So look forward to talking to you about that then. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth, and in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our guests make money the conversation piece, how to build and maintain wealth, working with charities, and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Story Powered. 
Welcome back to Story Powered. I'm Liam Pico, and I'm talking with Mike Michalowicz. So before the break, we were talking about our money stories and about Mike's um, new approach to uh, running your business financially is uh, called Profit First. So we're going to spend some time now on the how of, of Profit First. And, and part of the reason for this section is just to for you to go away with some business tools and, and some ideas about how you can change things up. Um, but I do recommend, if, if you can, to, to get Mike's book um, as well because it, uh, you, you, know, you may um, get lots of great tips right now but you really will want to go and um, explore the depth of, of what he's talking about. And so, so otherwise, get your piece of paper and pen in hand because we're about to find out how to create a profitable business no matter where you are um, in terms of your finances. So, Mike, talk us through. How do we implement profit first and be, become profitable right away? Yes. Yeah, so the first thing you do is right now, as you're listening – um, or right when you're done listening, hop online, because you've got to be fully focused with us, but hop online, go to your bank, and set up additional bank accounts. Most businesses have one or two checking accounts. Immediately add a new account, savings account, for profit. And uh, I even encourage some businesses to really, if you really want to dig into this, to set up a total of five accounts. An income account, where it only receives deposits, a profit account to allocate your profit, a uh, owner's pay to allocate pay so you can take your weekly or biweekly salary, your tax accounts, your business pays your taxes on your behalf, and then the remaining account is the operating expenses, what you guys run your business off of. So that's step one. Okay. And then I'll give you step two. So step one is allocating the money here. The second step is to, uh, to determine the percentages you're going to put in each account. I, uh, in Profit First, you may have read it in the book, but, and I also have it for download off my site, the MikeMichalowitz.com site. I have allocations that I've seen the healthiest of companies do. But what I suggest is if you've never set up Profit First before, start by allocating 1% to profit. Um, whatever your historical pay has been percentage-wise, set that to be your owner's pay account. Taxes, generally 10 or 15% of your total income goes to taxes because taxes is not just the corporate liabilities, but it's the taxes that uh, the business is going to pay on your behalf, your own income taxes. And then the remainder goes into operating expenses. So that's step number two. Okay. That and, seems pretty okay. clear right now. That's, and, that's very clear. Yep. Okay. The final step, well, there's a couple more steps, but, but the big step number three is when it comes to the profit account and tax account, Every time income is coming in to your income account and you're allocating these profit percentages to different accounts, the temptation is going to compete piling up there. That profit account may become 300 bucks or 3000 or more over time, and there's that day that it's going to come where you don't have enough money to pay your expenses, and you're going to say, well, I'll just borrow from my profit account, which borrowing is the worst thing because it's effectively stealing from yourself. When your business can't pay its operating expenses, that is the business screaming at you and shaking you saying you can't afford to continue these expenses. But you want to avoid that temptation of borrowing from yourself. So here's the next step. Take, uh, set up another, uh, with another bank, uh, a profit account and tax account there. So once you allocate money to your taxes and your profit um, from your income account with your primary bank, transfer that money now to the second account. It may take a day or two, but once that money is transferred, it's out of sight. Once out of sight, it's out of mind. And now when bills come in, you're paying out of your operating expenses, you, have, you don't have that temptation to borrow from your profit account. And then once that's right. set up, okay. the last step is the actual distributions. So you take your pay out of the owner's pay um, like you normally would, but your profit account on a quarterly basis, that's every 90 days, 
you distribute the money from that account to yourself. This is, you know, this is what large corporations do. You listen to any news station, and you'll hear at the end of the quarter, January, February, March is the end of the first quarter, for example. At the end of March, you're going to hear on the radio uh, all these different large corporations that are doing their quarterly profit distributions. Well, you as a small business owner should be doing it now too. So on March 31st, you go to that profit account at your second bank, and you, get a, you write a check out to yourself. Maybe the full amount, maybe you want to have a little rainy day fund and not the full amount, but you take out a good portion of that money and you use it to celebrate. You use it for your purposes only. This is your profit and you're the shareholder, so it's for you. And you use that money any way you want to reward yourself. And I, I will tell you, your first profit distribution, at least for me, was my favorite because it was like that was the moment I realized I finally had the system that would allow me to control my business and the business to serve me financially. And then every other profit distribution since has been just awesome. It's just wonderful experience. Oh, that's, that's great. And, it, and it's kind of, and it's a pretty simple system. Obviously, um, there's more depth to it um, in your book in terms of, of other pieces. But one of the questions I want to ask you about is, um, so that's a straightforward system. And I, I, I can actually recommend, I did it, I did um, different accounts for my personal um, account too. And so then I, I distribute my owner's pay um, throughout, whether it's health or um, stuff for my son or, or things like that. So that really works. And I know a lot of people do that because like you said earlier, we, we have this kind of pay yourself first in our, in our, um, our personal lives, but this is kind of changing it to our business life. But, but here's my question. I have a load of debt and it's sitting right there. And every time I go, I go to put the money in my profit account and I think, Oh, I just can't this month. Cause I have, I have too much debt and that credit card is yeah. uh, looking at yep. me. How do, how do I deal with that? Yeah. Um, and that's how I went into it too. I had all this debt. One of the most common questions I have or resistance to profit first is when someone says I have debt, I can't be profitable until I eradicate my debt. So my response to that, the only way you can eradicate debt is by being profitable. Because what debt is, is means you incur an expense some point in the past that you couldn't afford to pay because you weren't profitable enough. So you borrowed it from someone else, hence debt. So now you have to be profitable today to pay back to those, the dues you have from the past. So ironically, when you have debt, it's imperative, it's the most imperative that you're profitable to recover. So you still follow the system. And here's the one little modification. You still allocate money to profit and you start keep t- talking away in your profit account. Out of your operating expenses, remaining money, you continue to service the debt as best as you can, paying always the minimum that you can, but also paying as much as you can beyond uh, the minimum. But now, when you do that profit, that quarterly profit distribution, and that $1,000 or whatever comes out, instead of you spending it on you, you take 99% of that money and you do crush the debt. I call it a death-to-debt party. So $1,000 comes out, you'd actually take $990 and just eradicate as much debt with that $990 chunk as you can. The remaining $10 goes back to you for a celebration. Because it's critical that our relation with our business is that's rewarding us. So yeah, it's not going to be a fancy, fancy dinner out, but it'll be a nice day at Starbucks or something. Right, and, nice. And also you'll feel this excitement that, wow, you, you were pushing down the debt every single day with as best you could, but now you got a real leg up on it and you hit it down. And you know you're only 90 days away from this cycle happening again and you'll hit the debt really hard again in 90 days. So it builds this positive association. This is a critical behavioral change in our business. We still see the reward from our business, 
but it's giving us a leg up on our debt. And very quickly, you'll notice by doing this little adjustment of using the vast majority of the profit distribution to crush debt, that you will hit the debt fast and get rid of it. And the day you get rid of it, that next distribution that comes out, all that money goes right into your pocket for you to celebrate with. Which is great. And I I think that, again, just going back to the theme of control and um, the story that we tell when we have debt is that somebody else is in control of our money. Um, So the the thing I like about this is that we're, you know, you're you're taking control of of the the actual debt, and like you say, crushing it. Or, you know, I like the death to debt party idea. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's it's great because you know because and again, as as entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs have have like we talked about earlier, either because they've you know had a startup or they've had a, a a change in their employment, and so they've started their business, and so not everybody starts ahead of the game in terms of money, and so a lot come to their second third year carrying a bunch behind them and thinking, oh, my God, like, this is worse than my job. Why don't I just go get a job? Because at least I'd know I could pay my debt. Yeah, most, and that's the, tr- the reality for most of us. You know, this is what's, what's such a shame. We see the cover of all these magazines, of all these successful people. On Facebook, everyone touts how great things are. Our perception is, is everything's perfect for everyone else, and I'm the one on the sole island of, of debt and overwhelm. But the reality is it's the vast majority of entrepreneurs are, are struggling and in debt. So by implementing the system, day one, immediately you're going to have confidence in yourself because now you have a method and you're going to start seeing results from day one. But then when you start eradicating this debt with these distributions, it really gives you uh, this uh, sense of control that debt doesn't, doesn't own you, that you now uh, can control it and eradicate it. And listen, when I was at my darkest period, uh, I had over $50,000 in credit card debt and another 100000 in just other debts outside of credit card. I mean, just wow. huge yeah. amounts. And I thought That's there was no, no way I'd ever escape it. But w- what I did was... Uh, and there's a, a gentleman named Dave Ramsey uh, who's all about uh, money, personal money management, applies to business too. He, he also points a behavioral technique that we want early victories because the recency effect that we were talking about earlier, mm, that if we yes. get rid of a debt quickly, we're going to feel that we have this power now and we'll see it forward. So what his suggestion is, and I encourage the exact same thing, is when you do have a mix of debts, credit cards and other kinds of debts, sort them out from the lowest amount due to the biggest amount due. Not on interest rates as much as on the amount due. And is there a debt in there that's very small? Maybe you have lots of debts that are thousands of dollars, but maybe one debt that's only a few hundred dollars. Actually, what you want to do is hammer that one out first. Because now when that statement comes in, you get to tear it up and you feel empowered, the recency effect, that you were able to get rid of one debt and now you're focusing on the next and you hammer that one down next. Nice, nice. And again, you know, the other part of it is that that whole piece, I, I love that idea um, from Dave, which is, you know, again, it's it, often what we do with the early wins is we, we go and buy ourselves something that we can't afford um, because we want to feel good about ourselves as a business person. I need that new suit or I need, I need, I need. When in fact, the, the story behind it is, and again, we've got little voices in our head saying, no, 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 you don't. So the the actual idea of being out front ahead of um, the things we're telling ourselves is is really crucial. So now, um, you know, I'm just wondering if you could, we've got, we've just got a couple minutes left. So I'm wondering, could you just quickly go over step one, two, and three for us again, fairly quickly? Yeah. So step one, set up the accounts. You can do that today. Um, if your bank, by the way, says they're going to charge you fees for additional accounts, Right. or there's minimum balances, uh, I would say 
find a new bank or at least talk to the bank manager and get that adjusted. There's lots of great banks that don't charge fees for that. You don't need to accept that. Step two, once you have those accounts set up, determine your allocation percentages. My tip is this. Start small. If you, if you want to see the healthiest numbers in the world, you can visit MikeMichalowitz.com. That's my site. And I, and I did an analysis around this and have the ideal numbers. But you can shortcut that and just get started small. Whatever you do, you don't want to rewind, meaning you don't want to set your profit allocation to, say, 10 or 15%, and then a week or two later say, oh, my God, that's too much. i got to ratchet it back. Because of the recency effect, that's a loss. Now it's going to have a negative consequence. It's better to start off very small and over time build up. And then the, the last step, step three, get into this rhythm, this, this rhythm of pay yourself regularly so you have a regular flow that's coming out of your owner's pay account you set up, but also get this quarterly distribution of profits going. I found quarterly is the best. There's a reason big corporations do it. There's anticipation because 90 days away that's building up, but it's frequent enough that you feel it four times a year. It's a great feeling. Fantastic. And, and, you know, it's the most important feeling when you're working as hard as you are to, to create a successful business. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Mike. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's been, it's been an absolute joy. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So, again, um, thanks to Mike Michalowicz. Uh, for joining us today. If you want to know more about Mike um, or Profit First, you can check out his website, and I highly recommend it. It's at www.mikemichalowitz.com. You can find that on on our our website. And if you want to activate your storytelling superpower and you live near Toronto, I'll be holding a storytelling masterclass on March 12th in partnership with Lure Communications. You can check that out and book your tickets at verygoodstories.com. Uh, so make sure you tune into next week's show. It's called, we're calling it, It's All in the Mindset. And I've, I'm switching things up and I'm talking to two guests. One is Helen Kuiper from 24-7 Storytelling. She'll be back to chat with me about shifting business mindset through story. And we also have Yvonne Ruke Akpovita, who will join me for the story of the week to talk about how she changed her mindset to help her make some big changes in her personal life. So Story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks for joining me, Leanne Pico, and Story Powered. We'll see you next week with more story. Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level.